fishing junkies, we are all set for the mid-June 2013 edition of Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for being with us today. Have you purchased your MegaWare KeelGuard product for your boat yet? They are online at KeelGuard.com. Make sure you get yours today. We have had some fantastic episodes in the first half of 2013, and we will keep the second half rolling along just like the first. Every month, we are bringing you two episodes of the most updated bass fishing knowledge from the world's best bass fishing professionals. That's right, Aaron, and let's not forget some of the hardware our listeners can purchase through our store at BassEdge.com. There's some awesome fishing DVDs for purchase of the Bass Edge television series and other DVDs with tips and tactics, how to use your electronics more effectively, and a whole lot more. The summer season is here, and we have brought to you one of the most successful anglers ever in the sport to tell us how to catch him in today's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Be sure and stay tuned with the latest Bass Edge information through our Facebook page, Twitter handle, and, of course, BassEdge.com. Let's get this show on the road. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be back in a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You are listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios, high above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. And here we are. It's mid-June already, and it's getting hot out there. But we're still in some early summer fishing patterns for pretty much everybody in the country. You know, Kurt, we are. It's hard to believe we are literally almost halfway through the year. My, how time flies. But that means in my calendar, one thing. Uh, of course, in, in some parts of the country, it's been going on for quite a while. I know you certainly have your favorite summer patterns that you like to target. What's kind of the top on your list? Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron. This early in the summer, you know, we're about to reach the solstice. June 20 is the longest day of the year. So a lot of times people tend to just gravitate directly to deep water. What I like to do when I first start in my summer patterns is I still like to stay with those shallow fish. You know, I'm kind of a shallow water guy. I'm not your big deep crankbait guy or, you know, I'll go out and do some ledge fishing and stuff, but I feel a lot more comfortable when I can stay up near the bank and hit isolated targets and predominantly fish grass. So I'm looking to stay shallow this time of year. The first thing I'm going to do is hit the top water really hard. You know, this time of year, mid-June, late June, you can fish a topwater bait all day long, you know, whether it be a buzz bait or a walking topwater. And then once I figure out if that's working for me or if that's just an early morning bite or they're not fishing it all day, then I'm going to switch up to some hollow belly swim baits. You know, I really like the optimum swim baits and shallow diving crank baits that IMA produces. Those baits really keep me moving and keep me running into fish that are staying in that shallow section for that early summer pattern. You know, Kurt, it's funny because it's interesting. I think you could throw 10 anglers in a room and they would probably all say different things that they'd like to do. And it, it kind of throws me back to last week's episode with Gerald Swindle of defining who you are. And, you know, I kind of think of summertime fishing. I'm the exact opposite. Don't get me wrong. I like to orientate to the bank and I like to fish shallow. But man, when it gets summer and winter, I am out in the depths and I can't think of a time that I've had more fun, which I think we got to throw this out there is night fishing. Being able to 
to go out and fish over the hydrilla, maybe that tops out on like Amistad or Fork or something like that and throw a big worm or a big jig and let it go crashing down through there for those big ones or up at Lake of the Ozarks throwing brush piles and working a big plastic or something like that at night. But then also I get pulled back to my roots of flipping docks and maybe taking a spoon. I know when you were down the last time we got to do a little bit of that. Actually in that clear water just flipping a three-quarter ounce white spoon in on those big commercial docks and then certainly drop shotting. You know those are going to be probably my favorite ways to catch those bass when that mercury starts rising. Aaron you bring back some good fond memories with that nighttime fishing. <laughs> I can remember in high school and kind of some early college days could never get enough and of course I was young and maybe a little crazier but uh, I'd go out on those full moon nights and uh, man you could throw those top waters all night long and the coolest thing is that you could fish down a bank maybe a riprap a small pond or lake and get up where the uh, overspill is or where the dam's at or maybe where there's some trees laying around and you could that jitterbug or that buzz bait and you just bloop 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 all of a sudden poof, poof. I mean it would just <laughs> it would explode and, and you couldn't see anything but you could certainly hear it and uh, that brings back a lot of fond memories so uh, nighttime fishing especially on that full moon hopefully we get some bass edge nation out there and, and doing some of that this summer because it can really light up your smile and I can just remember it like it was yesterday well Kurt me too I'll even give you a date April of 1986 was really the first introduction that I had to fishing a major reservoir and not to digress too much but the first trip was actually to Table Rock my dad and I would always go down every spring centered around that full moon just like you speak of to fish for crappie well the guy that we would always go with who was a local resident one night said hey do you want to go out and try some night fishing for bass and back then it was the bucktail jigs you probably remember those and you stick a big pork chunk on the end of those and uh, with the spotted bass population we'd get out on those ledges and I hooked my first spotted bass was about a three pounder and of course we've always talked about how much those things fight but after we got done with that evening I forget even how many we caught but my take was forget the crappie I'm going bass fishing that is awesome I want to throw out a quick tip for bass education in the early summer frog fishing isn't something a whole lot of people think about they kind of think of that more of kind of mid to late summer but I tell you what pull your frogs out early this year because they can be a dynamite bait we talked about some last week with Gerald Swindle and talked about frog fishing over some bluegill beds and some different ways that you can utilize that but that grass and, and different kinds of things are emerging out of the water this time of year and if you're one of the first few to get up there and really target that type of cover you can have some outstanding fishing the fish aren't really used to seeing the frogs yet this time of year and it can be an explosive way to catch some super big bass well Kurt also along those same lines I would like to encourage Bass Edge Nation to log on to BassEdge.com go under the videos the section with Chris Ball in it we did the show out in California <laughs> the frog expert yeah. him and Bobby Barrick you know I don't know how many boats they've won out in California but that guy is the master frog fisherman and also check out the previously recorded podcast that we did with him because he breaks down frog fishing like I have never heard it before ties in exactly with what you're saying yeah those are great interviews and I'll never forget the Chris Ball cannonball so uh, that's sure right that people check that out too all right we we're all set to start up the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight we've got another awesome guest with us and Skeet Reese is coming right up Bass Edge Radio we'll be right back at Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. 
And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. The Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight brings us a recent BASS Elite Series winner this week. I've had a chance to fish around this guy a few times in my career, yet up to this point, he is out fishing me a lot more than I am him. Bass Edge welcomes former BASS Angler of the Year, Skeet Reese. Thanks for hanging with us today, Skeet. Not a problem. How are you guys doing? We are doing well and just excited to have you on the show once again. Certainly no stranger to Bass Edge Nation. I want to pick your brain a little bit with regards to the fishing and techniques, but before we kind of get into that, as a kind of an entrepreneur and uh, I guess a student of the sport and a fishing fan, you, you really stand out in the marketing realm. You know, you've been able to generate several recognizable traits as a professional bass angler. And I'm really curious if this was by design or did you kind of manage to latch onto those moments throughout your career and evolve into your brand? I think it's a little bit of everything, Aaron. I knew that I didn't want to be like everybody else and look like everybody else and act like everybody else. Of course, I'm just being me in the end. But it was being able to take advantage of, you know, right time, right place, right wind. The whole black and yellow thing, you know, is something that just evolved. You know, I went to the black and yellow boat. It was a hit out here and I got a yellow jersey and that was a hit. And with success uh, came more media exposure and just kind of built and capitalized on it. So I knew that I was trying to do something, but I didn't know exactly what I was doing when it happens. It just happens. <laughs> and yeah, I did. I took advantage of the timing and, and was able to, you know, just build the brand up. And I'm not some like business genius by any means. I mean, heck, I didn't even finish school. So it's not like I've got a master's in business and marketing. It's just, I guess, more common sense and street smarts to you know, get me through life and, you know, never settling. Just always pushing forward and trying to you know, do the best I could and make the most of what we got. Well, back in your days when you were laying flooring, I think, out on the West Coast, I mean, I, I know this is going way, way back, but, you know, yeah. your, your work ethic has always been such to where if you don't know the answer, you can figure out how to get the answer. And that kind of transcends over into your fishing. I think so. Um, like I said, I've never been a student of any one thing. Even really when it comes to fishing, I've never been a student of reading every article and following the sport. I'm one that learns from the school of hard knocks and trial and error doing it myself. You know, I can't say I'm always on the forefront of the cutting edge of techniques. In the end, you find a way to do what you got to do. Hey, Skeet, I want to jump back real quick to some of the marketing talk. You know, folks that aren't able to have an elite series in their town and don't get to see some of the things we're talking about, you drive a, I'm just going to say, it's a badass truck. What is that, an F650? Tell us a little bit about this truck that you're driving in. Did you have to take lessons to learn how to drive that thing? <laughs> no, it's a Ford F650 uh, designed by uh, F650 Customs out in uh, Augusta, Georgia. And I saw one. We went to, uh, oh, what lake was it? Uh, anyways, Byron Velvet actually showed up on one. They let him one for the tournament that week, just drive around town. It's the coolest truck I'd ever seen in my life. I'm like, that thing's bad to the bone. So that's why I was like, I want one of those. I want one of those. And I actually got in the market looking for a new vehicle. And this is part of how it came to be is I, I hate 
stopping for fuel. So these trucks have got like 20-gallon fuel tanks that just don't work for you. Because I can, I can literally drive for seven, eight hours without stopping. So I want a truck that had fuel capacity, and this custom truck had 210 gallons of fuel. And, Holy and it just looked badass. And uh, I get 10 miles a gallon in it. Everybody thinks I get like six or five or something like that. I get 10 to 11 towing in it, fuel up every 1,500, 1,800 miles. And so why other guys are filling up every 150, 180 miles, they're having fuel up in some of these trucks. And then from a marketing standpoint, yeah, it's one of those things that just kind of separated me from the rest of the field. There's more pictures taken of that boat and truck combination than probably all the other trucks on tour combined. Um, <laughs> it's constant everywhere you go. I don't care where you're driving. You can be on a side road. People are passing you to take pictures. You're on the freeway. They're driving by taking pictures. You're in a gas station taking pictures. So from a marketing standpoint, it's been a great investment. It gets great exposure for all the companies that you know, I represent and my brand. And it's a twofold deal. Um, it was a great investment from a marketing standpoint because, yeah, there's literally just tens of thousands of pictures taken of that rig. Well, yeah, it is an awesome rig. Well, we'll definitely have to pay something on the uh, Bass Edge Facebook page so all of our listeners can check that out. So I tell you, obviously, Ski, we, we've been around each other a little bit and, and oh, know yeah. each other slightly. And I was doing some stat checking last night. You know, I always like to review who we're going to be talking to and, and kind of try and dig a little bit deeper into what's going on with their fishing career and, and how things are going to be. And, man, I thought I was getting a little goggle-eyed last night. I saw you have cashed 140 times in 180 events. Man, that's phenomenal. What do you attribute this success to? Is it pre-practice? Is it Fishing a lot on your own and kind of just staying in tune in between events. What is it that makes Skeet so successful in competitive bass fishing? Number one is fishing within the moment and fishing current conditions. I've been called the sandbagger on tour a thousand times, but realistically, I have horrible practices. I'll get one little piece of a puzzle and I just run with that. But it's also, it's fishing the conditions. When you start fishing the past, that's when most people struggle, especially in local anglers. You know, they fish the same lakes over and over. They fish history and they fish past and they're not fishing present. And that's what hurts them, I think, in a lot of situations. But the number one thing that I built my career on is being versatile. You know, if you look at my tournament wins, I've won with a spinning rod, I've won with a swim bait, I've won with flipping sticks, I've won with crankbaits. That's how I've always built my career is just, you know, I shoot for top 10 finishes and if the timing's right, then I win. Everybody says, you know, how do you want to catch them? How do you like fish? I don't care. Whatever they're biting is what I'm going to throw. So if it's a drop shot with four pound test or a flipping stick with 80 pound braid and a swim, I, I could care less where I'm going. I just want to catch as many as I can. And I don't let, don't let ego get in the way as far as, oh, I don't want to catch monster spinning rod. You know, that's fish and chicken. Well, fish and chicken, you know, just do you want to call it that? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Won $100,000 a couple of weeks ago with spinning rods. So to me, that's the key is being versatile and being open-minded to fish. Whatever technique it is you need to fish, at that particular time to catch them. That's great advice. Catching fish is going to finally put the winning fish in your live well at some point, it sounds like. That's a great advice for all Bass Edge Nation. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago at West Point, we fished near each other quite a bit. We saw lots of changing conditions from practice days to competition days, and a bunch of tactics obviously helped you seal the win there. But one thing that was interesting I want to talk about a little bit was catching bass that were guarding fry. Can you explain to our listeners what that means and what techniques you employ to 
catch those fish. Yeah, I mean, once the, the fish get off the bed, the eggs hatch, and, you know, also now they turn into little small fry, which, you know, they can be a quarter inch to a half inch long when you typically see them. They're like big balls, you know, like a school of anchovies you can see on TV. That's what the ball of fry looks like, but they're just little micro things. And the males will tend to hang around and guard those fry for, you know, a couple of days to a week or two. But a ball of fry fish will tend to move. I mean, they don't just sit in one spot day after day. You know, the fry just migrate down banks and trying to find places to hide. And sometimes fry garters are easy to catch. And sometimes they are not so easy to catch. Because <laughs> I have cast at fry garters for an hour, and it can be totally frustrating because they will run right up your lure and just turn around. Ugh. And they will do that hundreds and hundreds of times without actually biting a lure, and it can be very frustrating. And you can catch them on, you know, I've caught them on frogs and hoppers and stick worms and soft jerk baits, drop shots. There's lots of ways to catch a fry garter. You know, it just depends on the type of cover they're in. And, you know, sometimes it's like I found there at West Point is the thiolate on some of the fish. You could throw a lot of colors in there. It didn't matter what you threw in there. And they would just kind of, uh, they would run over to it like they're trying to scare it off and not grab it. But then some of the fish, I grabbed that Berkeley methylate worm and had a wacky saw. You throw that in there and it's like raging bulls <laughs> running to hit that thing. I, there's something about that color sometimes that they grab it. It's, it's just wild. It's like you could throw a lot of colors in there, a lot of presentations, and then that color just triggers them. You know, if you're fry guarding, you know, fish or fry guarders, you have to go look at it as open-minded. It's the same thing. You're, you're, you're going to have to have six, eight, ten rods. You're not going to go out there with one rod and catch all of them. So, you know, you're going to have to have a whole arsenal rigged up because they all have different personalities, just like people. I find that extremely interesting because it sounds like what you tied into earlier was just the versatility and being open-minded and fishing the moment. And, man, what a better example than the description that you just gave. You know, in addition to the fry garters, Skeet, let's say the females obviously have left the beds. The males perhaps are still guarding some fry. But what are some of the other post-spawn specific techniques do you look for as bass move off the beds? Every region of the country, fish is different. So you got different types of waterways from river systems, tidal systems, the man-made lakes, river lakes. But I guess when I think post-spawn, the baits that come to my mind is a 10-inch power worm. You know, I fished a new federale, Havoc federale, but a 10-inch worm, a topwater. You know, I throw a lucky crab gunfish, 115. That's my favorite topwater bait for post-spawn. And then I'm going to go like a crankbait, you know, lucky crabs. D20s or D3s, uh, 2.5, 3.5 DDs, then a football jig. In my head, that's my post-spawn selection. But, I mean, I look at times, I mean, there's a shaky head. It can be one of the most deadliest tools ever on a you know, post-spawn fish. You know, just trying to find those transition areas. You know, once they've left the beds, where are they going to? And how far post-spawn are they? Are they still on the secondary stuff heading out to the main lake? Or have they got out to the main lake yet? So it's really depending on just using those specific techniques. And then once you get a couple bites, then kind of tuning into it. You're going to maybe start a little shallow to see how far they've moved off and then kind of gradually move deeper if you don't get any bites. Yeah, you know, the first points and the secondary points and the main points coming out of spawning areas, that's where you're usually going to start, depending on the conditions and water clarity, uh, whether you're going to fish shallow or deep. But, uh, you know, the one thing that I just kind of realized thinking about it is you'll find that some guys tend to go through a ton of lure selections through the course of a day trying to find that magic bait. I'm not a firm believer that there's a magic bait. I'm a firm believer that presentation is the key. And as long as your shades and your tones are in the right line, whether it's browns or purples or you know whites or shirt shoes, whatever it is, as long as you present those bait selections right and you find that pattern, you find the fish, 
you're going to catch them. So you'll see that I don't go through a ton of bait selections during practice or even during the tournament. You know, once I feel like I know what fish should be doing, I could care less if my football jig has three strands of orange and two strands of purple versus the other guy. Oh, God, you've got to have eight strands of orange and four strands of purple. You can kiss my butt. That makes no sense. <laughs> You know, I can take a brown jig that has no orange and no purple, and I'm still going to catch them. I keep my color selections fairly simple. It's more or less figuring out, okay, well, it's figuring the depth, the presentation. You can make your adjustments off that. You know, the fish are shallow. You don't need a deep diving crankbait, but they're still going to eat a shad-colored crankbait. So whether it's white with a chartreuse back or whatever it is. The more simple you keep your tackle selection and the less you worry about finding that magic lure, the more time you're focusing on trying to figure out the fish. Good stuff. I think, too, the presentation is the key. Fast, slow, shaking it up. Skeet, hang on right here. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about some things you like to do for summer patterns. Bass Edge Radio with Skeet Reese. We'll return in a moment. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a super start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every super start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, super start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. Bass Edge is back with BASS elite angler Skeet Reese and our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. Buckle your seatbelts as we are in the second half interview with BASS elite angler Skeet Reese. Skeet, it is mid-June and very quickly we have moved into summertime fishing here in the southern part of the U.S. Take us through your thought process of patterns ABC you'll run through to connect with the bass? It's a loaded question because whether you're on a northern lake which they just finished spawning or if you're in the south where they've been done spawning for four months. You know, we talked about post-spawn bait selection. A lot of that post-spawn bait selection continues on into the summer. Summertime, we'll probably wind up getting into a little bit more finesse tackle. You're still going to be able to catch them. I mean, June and July are great months. It's probably the best time ever to throw a crankbait. So I'm going to go that route. And just because if I have a choice, I'm going to power a fish. I want to cover as much water as I can and have the opportunity to catch as many fish as I can. But as we get into the water getting hotter, fishing pressure, grazing, getting higher in the lakes that time of year, fish will be a lot more nocturnal than ever before. You know, just like most things, you know, when it gets hot out and miserable, you know, fish are no different. The water temperature starts climbing in the 80s. They're just not really aggressive and not real active until the right time. So that's where, you know, picking up a drop shot, to me, it becomes a lot more effective. You know, I tell the, the bottom hoppers, you know, that's the one I use now. And uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a four inch or six inch, but a drop shot becomes a lot bigger player in the summer months than ever before. You know, here's something I want to give your listeners that I would believe that in pre-spawn, you want your bait on the bottom. Things are emerging out of the rocks and the grass. Bass are keen on crawfish and bugs and critters more that are on the bottom. So that's why I think a drop shot doesn't work as well in pre-spawn. 
where the shaky head, the split shot rig, or Carolina rig does. But once you get past the spawn, you start getting your summer months, suspended bait fish become a more primary forage for the fish, where that's where a drop shot, I believe, works better than a shaky head. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's obviously been working at some point in your career. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. is Summertime fishing, you know, if you're out there early morning uh, and evening, obviously everybody is looking for that topwater bite. That's always a blast, uh, you know, when you can find some school and fish bunching up and you can crush them on topwater. That's fun. But I look at it, it's that time of year where, yeah, you're going to go from one extreme to the next. Yeah, you're going to go from throwing a crankbait as far as you can, real as fast as you can, to have it slow down and just shake a drop shot in one spot, you know, on one rock to get those generators bites. And typically, if you have wind in the summertime, wind's your best friend in the summertime for making fish more active. That's where your power fishing will work better. Your crankbaits, your football jigs, your bigger worms. But when that wind stops and you're faced with those fairly slick conditions in the summertime, you better be scaling down and you either got to go find shade and flip grass or trees that are shaded, or if you're fishing open water, you're going to scale down and go to a little more finesse. So obviously you're out in California. We don't get a whole lot of chance to talk to a bunch of Western anglers because quite frankly, there's just not a ton of them on tour. Even when you're targeting those big bass out in California that time of year, you're still going to do the downsize. Am I following you right there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can go to Clear Lake in the summertime. I can catch the five fish when it weighs 30 pounds on drop shot with six pound cast. So the less active those fish become, the less they're likely to hit a big bait. So, you know, I've caught nines and tens out here uh, on, you know, little six inch finesse worms. This time the big bait catches big fish. But there's times you just need that finesse bait just to get a bite, period. Well, the same thing happens down here at Lake Amistad, so I'm sure anybody fishing anywhere in the country will find the same thing happening at their local lake as well. I'll tell you what, it's time for the professional parts people O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. And we've got a question that comes in from Russell Hatridge from Ashdown, Arkansas. Russell says, been bass fishing for about nine months now. Seem to do all right with crankbaits, spinnerbaits, and topwater, but I don't have much, if any, experience with soft plastics. What is the best way to learn how to fish soft plastics the right way? There's a glut of available worms, creature baits, trailers, jigs, and hooks out there. It can be a bit overwhelming if you don't know where to start. He lives in southern Arkansas almost on the Texas border, and he says he's mainly fishing either the Little River or Millwood Lake. Skeet, set Russell off on some basics of how to start fishing with soft plastics. Well, I've never been to either one of those fisheries, so I don't know anything about them. But as far as soft plastics, you're essentially you're going to have your finesse worms, so your straight tail worms. Now I'm looking at just a general selection that you're going to fish on a shaky head uh, or a drop shot split shot setup. Then you're going to get into your creature baits, which are going to tend to be Texas rigged, uh, sliding sinker, three sixteenths to three quarter ounce sinker, depending on the type of cover you're fishing. One little tip I can give them, I am a firm believer that a straight shank hook, doesn't matter what soft plastic your bait you're fishing, a straight shank hook is going to give them a lot better hook or lane ratio. So for me, I use the Trocar TK100 and the 130. Those are my two favorite hooks. I just feel like you get a better hook and land ratio. But I guess the key to fishing soft plastics is adjusting to your presentation. The more lethargic the fish are, even the summertime patterns where it's just dead hot, then sometimes you got to fish slow. And it's keeping that bait in contact with bottom at all times. But then I also look on the flip side where I can take a three-quarter ounce rig, 10-inch worm on a texture rig or a shaky head, however you want to fish them, and I can stroke it, meaning I'm basically setting the hook on that worm and making it pop off the bottom 
bottom and creating your action strikes. So you're going from one extreme to the next to get a bite, and it can be on the same body of the water during the same day that you have to change your techniques, change your patterns. You got creature baits, finesse worms, and in the summertime is when you can go your seven or 10 inch curl tail worms. That's gonna do the heart and soul of your soft plastic fishing. The summertime, you're going to fish a Texas rig more, and you're going to fish deeper. I wish I there's one simple answer to it, but there is no one definitive answer to this question. You know, pick a brand you like. I use the Havoc brand and the Berkeley brands. Fluorocarbon, I think, will help you feel more bites and you know, ultimately catch more fish. You can use fluorocarbon for fish and soft plastics. Tungsten weights will give you a better feel at the bottom. They're a little pricier than a lead weight, but they'll get a better feel, which to me, ultimately, in the end, they get a different fall ratio, so it helps you more bites, I believe. That's good stuff. You know, I, I think what I pull out of that real quickly for Russell is tungsten weight, you're going to feel a lot more. Fluorocarbon, you're going to feel a lot more. So, boom, you know, Russell, to detect your strike, make sure you use those two things. And, and I think probably the biggest thing, Skeet, that you brought out of that, although all of it was huge, was keeping the bait on the bottom. That tends to be really critical, and I see that a lot, you know, guiding here at Amistad, where, you know, folks don't really understand what their bait is doing. The best way to know what your bait is doing is when it's on the bottom doing nothing you know that it's there and if you feel something something's picking it up yeah. so keep in contact with the bottom super critical yeah because i look back okay watching people and other boats fish or taking friends fish they're lifting the rod up in the air straight up in the air pulling the worm up off the bottom or jig whatever it is and they don't know when they're on the bottom and playing you know the simplest way to keep your lure on contact with the bottom is keep your rod tip closer to the water and do a sweeping motion keeping your rod tip closer to the water at all times and kind of dragging it sideways instead of lifting it up in the air. And that's just one little tip to help keep your worm down on the bottom when needed. Well, thanks, Ski, for answering Russell's question. And Russell, congratulations as you just got your doctorate's degree on how to fish soft plastics. <laughs> and not too many people get their questions answered on air by Skeet Reese. Be sure and contact us here at Bass Edge and let us know that you heard your question answered on the show to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And you can be the next O'Reilly Auto Parts $100 gift card winner by sending in your questions along with your name and hometown to Bass Edge Radio through our email support at BassEdge.com or remember to post those on the Bass Edge Facebook page or tweet them to at Bass Edge. When your question shows to be answered on the show, let us know you heard it via email and you'll become the next winner. Well, Skeet, once again, thanks for coming back and being a part of the Bass Edge family here on Bass Edge Radio. Any closing thoughts for our listeners? No, I just want to say hey, thanks for all the support out there. If they want to follow me on Twitter, you can go follow me at Skeet Reese One or go to my website, SkeetReeseInc.com and you can follow what I'm doing there. But uh, I just want to say thanks to all the fans for all the support out there. And Kurt, I'm going to see you up in, uh, oh, pretty soon, wherever we're going next. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see you up there in Wisconsin. I appreciate you being with us today, Skeet. And Bass Edge Radio return just in a couple moments. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. 
patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The PowerPole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. This is the G-Man, Gerald Swindle, and you guys are listening to Fast Edge Radio. Great interview with the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight and Skeet Reese. Awesome to have him back with Bass Edge, Aaron. It really is, and it amazes me as we go through the list of anglers that have been on here multiple times, and, and Skeet certainly falls into that category. I'm always amazed at how they're able to bring new information, pertinent information that applies to the current conditions that all anglers are facing right now. And one of the things that stuck out to me, Kurt, was when he got into the conversation about presentation, that as long as he's in kind of that same genre of colors and bait selections and things like that, it deals more with how you're presenting that bait, maybe the angles, maybe how you're working that bait, than what it has to do with the specific colors. Yeah, how do you argue with a guy that's cashed 140 out of 180 events at the highest levels of fishing? It's just phenomenal, but you're exactly right. You hear it all the time. You know, Joe caught him on a white spinner bait with uh, number four willows, and it's got to be gold on one side and chartreuse on the other, and then everybody's scrambling to their nearest tackle place or ordering something online because they think it's it's a magic bait. But really what it is, it, it's some kind of presentation that's being offered to the fish that they're reacting to. And like Skeet said, you know, he's not really concerned about how many strands of X color this jig has or what color back this particular crankbait has. But he's really concerned about utilizing the things that he has confidence in and then altering the presentation, whether it's a speed up, a slow down, a do nothing, a hop it twice, you know, but, but those different presentations of getting the fish to react to the bait is what really concerns him the most. For sure, Kurt. And, you know, I've kind of fallen into that trap myself, drank that Kool-Aid a little bit. And, you know, what I relate that to, I think it comes down to confidence. If I've got a jig or something that has four strands in it, is there anything wrong with saying, okay, I want to use that moving forward? Absolutely not. Because, again, we know that confidence has a huge factor, plays a huge role in your results. But the reality is, like Skeet said, that's not necessarily what's making the difference of boating the bass that you're after. So all good stuff. As always, thanks to our guest, Skeet Reese, and you, the listener, for being part of the Bass Edge family. For Kurt Dove and the crew, I am Aaron Martin. Join us next time for another episode of Bass Edge Radio presented by Keelguard. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.